0: Right on the set, goddammit. Okay. Hi, everybody, I'm Mark Dodson.
1: Yum, yum. <laughs> You're listening to Still Talking With.
2: This week, Ben, Jeff, and Leo are still talking with the legendary bassist Gary Van Syok. Gary has performed and recorded with John Lennon, Elephant's Memory, Yoko Ono, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Stevie Wonder, Mick Jagger, Jerry Garcia. Neil Sedaka, Keith Moon, Paul Simon, and so many more. Get ready for a kick-ass show
1: shortly after these important messages.
2: The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised.
0: Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. you. It's been a lot of fun.
2: check out the dorkening podcast network
3: my mom says i'm cool
2: available on itunes spotify thedorkening.com and wherever fine podcasts can be found happy wednesday we are now live on still token with
4: and as always we have benjamin yo
3: how's everybody doing
4: doing okay was my volume low for a second
3: yeah you were kind of like (laughs) i thought maybe your wife came in and was like choking you out from behind or something yeah he was eating cake (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, Uh, he was was, he was eating cake (laughs) Uh,
4: jeffrey
3: hey
4: more like drinking coffee that's what i was doing
0: Oh, oh, it's coffee. Okay. Coffee. Yeah. I have coffee. See? So, so,
4: See, coffee. Oh, what's in the coffee? Um, Stop. kahlua. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, would you like to introduce our awesome guest tonight, Jeffrey?
0: Um, only if he'll let me butcher his name. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm gonna try not to. You
4: uh, better not. You got instructions before
0: the show. Yeah, <laughs> like four minutes ago. Well. <laughs> You know, well, I have a memory like an elephant, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. Ooh, um, good one.
3: Nah, that was
0: a good one. You like that, huh? I-
2: I'm almost,
3: I'm almost <laughs> half impressed with you.
0: Um, Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Gary Van Skyock. Is that right? Skyock. Skyock. Damn it. I knew I was going to get it wrong. And you know what? We knew you would, too. <laughs> welcome to
3: the show gary you
0: are thank a you guys wonder. I
1: appreciate it thanks for having me on i really appreciate it
3: oh my he butchered it he's fired right. fired. fired 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 i am not offended oh no, me neither
1: thank god it's tough you know it's a tough one
4: so, uh, Gary, for those who may not know who you are, would you like to introduce everybody to yourself?
1: Gary Van Syok, Elephant's Memory Band, since 1971. Still doing it, still playing out, still recording, and uh, love the music business, been around for over 50 years, so... Doing
3: okay. That's okay. awesome. Wow. wow. Nin- that's excellent. Nineteen seventy one.
1: I'm gonna to have to ask my
3: mom if they were listening to one of the albums when never mind. Because I was born in seventy two, I'm just saying.
0: Well, I was oh, eight, so I was eight, so I was still eating mud pies. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of whoopies. <laughs> well, I think that's where the whoopie pie comes from, is the original mud pie. Right. I seriously do.
4: Uh did he see
0: uh, whoopee or a wookie? No, whoopee. <laughs> you know like what people say
3: after sex? Whoopie? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> 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 and we have derailed literally eight eight minutes in oh totally totally
4: (laughs) so uh, we had a question in from uh, Jeremy Gary uh, he wants to know uh, you know how's the music been uh, music business been during the pandemic
1: what music business yeah (laughs) Uh, I haven't played since last February uh, 2020 Uh, it's the longest time I've ever gone for not having a, a gig it's just really strange you know i used to get depressed when i didn't have a gig in two weeks so now it's been like over a year it's unbelievable this is new territory for me i'm not used to this stuff right right
0: Did, did you um did you look into or try to do like uh you know online live type of performances or just not just not up your alley
1: doesn't interest me in the least uh i you know i teach for a living as well that went down the tubes and uh, so all of my students have been AWOL for over a year now as well so wow it's uh it's pretty
2: strange
1: and all your students i hope you are still
0: practicing
1: because when you get back at it he's going to expect a hell of a lot more from you
2: you've Uh, had a
0: year to do it
1: I i don't push the practice thing too much you know if a person wants it and they they have the talent, it just kind of happens with some good directions, the way I look at it. Uh, You know, you can practice the wrong stuff for weeks. Well, that's (laughs) true. Absolutely no good. That's true. 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 (laughs) uh, That's why I didn't want to become a uh, an institutional teacher like a band director or anything like that right nothing it's those guys I have a lot of friends that did it and had great careers and they're not eating dog food now like me but uh you know it's uh
0: I recommend gravy train
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah not a lot of retirement
3: <laughs> right Leo right <clears throat> yeah.
4: how would you even know that
3: I don't know what he's going. Don't there. ask.
1: <laughs>
0: don't ask. My generation was a lot of dares.
3: So back to the show. Yes, thank <laughs> th- you, Ben. The amazing guest that we have for some of you or all of you that are watching right now, um, Gary is. I, w- I would say a legendary bassist. I was going to say he- icon. Well, well, he's definitely an icon, a legendary icon, but he's a legendary bassist as well. Um, playing with some of the biggest names that you can think of in music history. Um, we'll get more into that after. Why am I on full screen? This isn't about me. Because here, you <laughs> because were was talking. Yes. Background, well, maybe that's what it is. He's hoping that I get stuck into the vortex. <laughs> it
0: looks like a Lady Gaga
3: hairdo, actually. It is. You like it? Yeah. <sighs> but anyways, Gary... Um, <laughs> what got you into playing bass? Well, okay, let, me, let me rephrase that. What got you into music?
1: Uh, being from Pittsburgh got me into music because uh, soul music was so big then and so predominant on the airwaves. So it was hard to resist that soul stuff, you know, the Motown and all that stuff. It's kind of a and town, Pittsburgh, so that's where, where I was from. And uh, a little town outside of Pittsburgh, but... I had a, a local band in uh, college that had a hit record in Pittsburgh, a band called the Dynatones. It was a hit record called the Fife Piper, and uh, made it, uh, I think it was uh, 49 in Cashbox in Wilport, 1966. Wow. So I had a good young, I was only 19, so I got a real dose of the music business at very, very young, and, uh, which inspired me to come to New York. Very cool. Very. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Leo. Well,
4: no, I, I, being the the dork that I am, uh, so the the fife piper, uh, you were signed at that time with Hanna Barbera Records.
1: Correct. Yeah, it was just a fluke. We were we recorded the record at a, a fabulous studio in Pittsburgh, very famous. Did all the oldies records there called Gateway Sound, and just uh coincidentally, when we were mixing the final track for the fight Pipe Piper, uh, the manager of the uh, famous doo walk band, the Marcells, happened to be standing outside, and uh, he loved it, and uh, somehow got in, had probably an end in, in those days, it was all politics or whatever in 66, and he had a, a way to get into Hanna-Barbera Records, sending out there to Hollywood, and they loved it. And, Signed us, and uh, it was like the easiest transition from being a college a fraternity band into being a, a serious national act. Okay, now uh, wait a minute.
0: I got a question here.
1: Almost overnight.
0: Uh, over uh Hanna Barbera Records. I thought they did cartoons. You did. I I'm never sorry? heard of the I never heard of the record
1: label. Hanna Barbera. Yeah. Yeah, they had a, a really hip jazz label in the '60s. You know, uh, it wasn't just all the Jessens and you know all that those cartoon stuff. They actually were serious about having a label in the '60s. And <laughs> it lasted for five or six, seven years, and they had a lot of really cool stuff on it. Uh, so I'm proud to be on that uh, that stable. That's of awesome. Mom, I stage. did
3: not know that.
1: No.
3: Yeah, I didn't know it either and Leo being Leo being the, Leo being the dork that, that he dark. is found it. That's yeah, impressive. Than, you
1: know.
4: <laughs> so so uh did any of was there music uh made specifically for like did any of it mix with like the cartoons or cuz I know a lot of Some the cartoons of my
1: stuff were... made it into uh, the Jetsons, yeah. Very cool. So wow. They they used a lot of the stuff uh, I can, I can talk about it now, but mixed in with the record was... You've heard of The Wrecking Crew, right? Yeah. Okay. So some of the tracks that were on the album under my name were actually musicians had overdubbed and played tracks from The Wrecking Crew out in LA. So uh, we didn't quite have enough material because they want you to come up with an album in 24 hours, you know, and you can't possibly write all that material you know so you just work on a single so uh we had to they had to fill in to get a whole album's worth of material so they came up with some tracks that i learned later learned that was uh, the guys from the wrecking crew which is so cool that is cool
3: yeah. wow. Wow. Oh.
1: jeff looks like it wasn't dumb. cool at think... the time oh no, yeah no i'm totally done because I, I was insulted that they they did it behind our backs so to speak. But, but they had that record to get out, and we had signed. So what are you going to do? It's all great. Right.
0: You know, I mean, I'm <laughs> actually embarrassed right now because I have to be honest. I, I, I grew up, you know, and I listened to an awful lot of uh, 60s and 70s music. And for whatever reason, I have never even heard of the Elephant's Memory Band until today. Oh, wow. wow. You know, um, and that's embarrassing. You know, I mean, I I listened to all of those guys, you know, back then, the Procol Harems and and, and all of those. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I apologize for that. The groups of the day. Well,
1: you know, you would have had to start out in the 60s, you know, like 69. Elephant's Memory did the soundtrack for Midnight Cowboy, the Dustin Hoffman movie that got all kinds of Academy Awards in 1969.
2: It was the only
1: uh, X-rated movie ever to win a motion picture award like that. Uh, are, you, are you folks uh, familiar with that movie at all?
0: What was the movie again? Midnight, Midnight,
1: Cow- Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy.
0: Midnight Cowboy.
1: Midnight Cowboy. Dustin yeah. Hoffman. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well, we did the soundtrack for that. You did? Yeah. Holy shit. That's <laughs> one of the- that's one of the gold records
3: on the wall. No shit. Yeah. Wow, one, okay. One of the gold records. I like how he put that. One. Yeah,
1: yeah well, you, uh... you know, they accumulate over the years. You know,
0: you know that's you... what I do. <laughs> Why'd you mute my mic for a second
1: there, Leo? You looking for that scratchy sound? Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm
4: hearing a clicking, so I wasn't too sure if it was coming from... Uh... Wait,
1: you... I'm getting the scratching, too, uh, but I'm able to hear you guys so far. Let's cross our fingers.
3: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's uh, because Jeff uses a headset with a mic built in on it. Yeah, but it's not that. Leo muted me, and it was... Yeah. Who just muted? I muted him. No, it's... Yeah, it could just be a connection. Um, Yeah. That's all. But we'll play through it. We will. The show will go on. (laughs) The show will go on. That's right. It's
0: like having a broken string. You can't stop. (laughs)
3: <laughs> what well, that's, that's a good analogy right well you hope like hell that your, your roadie gets to you a one that you know has all the strings
0: so I do have a question for you Gary good. okay um, I know you know the answer I'm just curious as to what you're going to say <laughs> uh, there was a quote that I read and it said life is as long as an elephant's what
1: Life is as long as an elephant's memory. Very good. I didn't know if you were going to go dirty on us. <laughs> <Is> that, uh, <laughs> uh, are, you, are you quoting John Lennon on that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I I'm am. At, I'm sitting in one of my studios and I'm looking up at uh, the framed letter that that quote comes from. I refer to it as the parting of the ways letter. That's where that quote was uh, originated. Okay. When John, when John uh, had to uh, finally let us go uh, from Apple and send us on our merry way.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. I read the article, uh, you know, what was said. And um, yeah, I was just, um, it, it was, it's an interesting quote, actually. You know, I like yeah. it. You know, uh, he was a genius, he was an absolute oh. genius
1: there's actually three or four quotes in that uh that letter and uh that are really cool he he was trying so hard to make us feel good you know that uh he had screwed the whole thing up more or less on one end of it at least uh, it was really the green card issue right uh, for those that don't know uh, john was getting a lot of flack from the government because he had really extended himself to Get involved with the raising the voting age to 18, which would have made a huge difference politically and uh, So the government was really coming down on them and got him on that mar- marijuana bust and uh, you know all those things came to uh, a real problem for him We couldn't get out and tour because of that
0: right right well He was a true pioneer in a lot of ways
1: uh, you don't have to uh, convince me. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> now, uh... but thanks, for, thanks for coming up with the the quote. And, uh, you know, I know you're not an elephant's memory guy, per se, but uh, thanks for doing your homework. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to learn a little bit more about history, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Leo. No.
4: Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, so, uh, you brought up, you know, uh, John with the issue with, uh, with the government, but some of that fell back on you as well. You, uh, I, I read that you were, uh, your phones were tapped and you were followed by the FBI.
1: We got so used to it after a while, you know, there was, uh, I would see the guys as I was coming into my building on 84th and 1st in New York city. And, uh, in those days it wasn't all digital stuff you know like it is today then it was actually they had to have a real a real tape machine in the basement of your building you know. <laughs> so, uh, that took a lot of maintaining you know you see a lot of people going back and forth with the Fedora ads and the, it was wild you know you heard the click every time you picked up the phone just like you hear hear about in the movies. It's all true, yeah. you know. Nixon was president, right?
0: <laughs> right. Did you Did you um say hi, guys, whenever you oh, like I'm, picked I, up?
1: I knew who they were. Oh yeah. I think they knew. I, I knew everybody knew. You said hello to them. You waved on the way into the building. If you caught them going out for a sandwich, it was pretty hysterical, <laughs> really. Uh, anyway, that's funny. <laughs> What a, the fun days yeah. the fun, fun
3: days fun. the fun days so now that now that jeff jumped right into to, to the john uh, aspect how did you um become part of
1: what john was doing back then well first of all uh i was really on a columbia band called pig iron when yep elephants called me they were they were kind of falling apart, and I, I had heard about the elephants being involved in this political thing uh, in in Manhattan, playing NYU, playing at Washington Square Park, you know, doing all these political rallies. And it caught my attention because everything was chronicalized in the Village Voice. Then, you know, you, you couldn't part without being something being said about it in the Voice. So, right. Anyway one day I'm reading the voice at breakfast or whatever and I see Elephant's Memories looking for a bass player and I went, holy shit you know, that's, what a cool, you know it's amazing, I was just thinking of them for the last few weeks and seeing all this stuff where they were playing and killing it, by the way you know, you know, people would just like lose it at their concerts it was such an energetic <laughs> band you know. uh, so anyway, I went down and auditioned they had a catapult about sixteen. People showed up, and I think they had heard about me as a studio player in town, because it seems like I went through the line pretty quick. And uh, to take a long story short, I got the gig, and uh, it was a lot of fun, because I was doing jingles all day, you know, radio and TV jingles as a studio player, and other artists, I was working on some stuff for Paul Simon, I was doing Neil Sedaka gigs, like at the the bitter end, you know, and, and a lot of different artists. that played with an R and called Howard tape that year. So I was pretty much really happening. So it was mm-hmm. just I just did it for fun. Right. I didn't even think about it. like they just looked sounded like a great band to go have some fun gigs with. And they were. I had a ball. Uh, not thinking about advancing my career or anything like that, even though they had a history like I Mentioned with the Night Cowboy, and they had a couple of hit singles. Uh, uh, Mongoose in 1969 was a top 40 hit. Wow. Like in the top six. And they also had a hit that was banned in 1971 called Skyscraper Commando because it had the word dope in it. it got, <laughs> got banned for the FCC. And uh, that was a disappointment because we were ready to go out and promote that, and then the FCC banned it. So. Little that I know, the FCC problems were only getting started for me, uh, <laughs> that I was reporting on. But anyway, uh, in late in 71, I've been with the elephants for uh, quite a few months, and uh, we did this live radio broadcast out on Long Island called W-I-R uh it's still there i think good station and in those days you went in and played live for like a half an hour and they'd record it on seven and a half reel to reel and if you were lucky you got a cassette tape at the end and that was the case i i recall billy joe was the opening act for us That really was pretty cool wow. and uh well it hadn't really broke out this is 1971 right True. Uh, december of 1971 and uh so we did that that and got the cassette tape, and lo and behold, a friend of ours, Jerry Rubin, the political activist who was hanging with the band, uh, slipped the tape to John. We didn't even know he was hanging with John at the time, but they had sought each other out, apparently. And uh, so Jerry Rubin gave John Lennon the tape, and they loved it. John and Yoko loved it, thought we had a lot of soul, and uh, we were just what they were looking for. It's all about timing, guys, you know. It, it is. Was just what they were looking for at that time. They had, really, they had heard about us in the Village Voice. They were totally focused in New York. So they knew about the band. So they sought us out, really, uh, on based on our reputation as studio players. And uh, they knew they could present us with material, and we would just like any studio musician, we would be able to handle them. So uh, they knew that going in. But one night in December of 71, uh, they wanted to come and jam with us. And they just showed up unannounced one night at our studio down in the, the village. It was called Magic Graphics. It was on Bedford Street. And they just lived, like, literally two doors around the corner on Bank Street. Wow. So that's how convenient and close we were in proximity to the limits. So they stopped by. We jammed all night. Uh about five o'clock in the morning john looks at us and says i'd like to join your band and we just like looked at each other and holy cow how can that ever happen you know what's going on right right (laughs) right i mean he He uh, he had a ball and we finally worked it out at the be- at the end of the, the session that morning yoko piped up well if we did a merger with plastic ono and elephant's memory it would spell poem and she was really into it and, and she was already working on the, the marketing already you know all in one night you know? wow
0: wow okay i just said we had weird visions of plastic elephants <laughs> <laughs>
1: Plastic I mean, feel <laughs> to be connected with that aspect of their, of Yoko's thing, you know.
0: So you know what I see is circumstance. You know what I mean? Uh, right place, right time, circumstances. Exactly. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that circumstances are developed because you get your face out there. You're out there doing what you need to do.
1: And, and that's how the as opportunity as presented as itself. Hard as it sounds, it's uh, you know that's what you did as a player and as a band. You had to work hard. You know, right. it's New York. We got sick first. Oh small. yeah. But we, had, we were lucky. We got to play Max's and kind of got that place going a little bit. In those days, you wouldn't just play one night somewhere. You played all week, like six nights at the same place. So you know, once you uh, that really tightens up a band in a hurry, i got to tell you. Yeah, I Nine, bet. Six, I would, I would say so. Six nights in a row at Maxis, Kansas City was uh, It was just uh, an amazing experience for us and tightened us up as a unit. And uh, I, We wanted to get John to come down and jam with us there, but uh, he, he was a little... Uh, I don't know why he, he didn't really want to do that because uh, he was already thinking about recording those songs that are on sometime in New York City. He was... He was prepping. We didn't realize it, but uh, yeah, yep. you know, it wasn't too too much later in, in January we started rehearsing some of those songs. Wow.
3: I'm blown away right now. I'm blown away by the fact that, you know, that John Lennon just walked over and Joint, joint, you know what I mean knocked on the door and just kind of yeah.
1: i don't think he's ever reached out to anybody like that ever yeah I mean, after first of all but... well the weird but, thing you know, Like he said it was the circumstance right right, right, there, right popular in town we were studio players he was looking for somebody to replace Clapton and the jet set crew you know that he took up to to Toronto and you know, just told me that he's just was sick of it
0: you know well, i mean i, I take that him. as uh, you know i take that as that uh john was very humble because he said he wanted to join your band he didn't ask for you guys to be his band yeah, well, yeah he's
1: quite a tactician isn't he <laughs> you know and but, and uh, that well it way- says a lot about his character right yeah, I agree. I agree. He yeah, couldn't have been nicer and humbler about it. I mean, it was just you couldn't ask for anything more. I mean, we were kind of put on the spot, but it's that's but it was a good thing, you know. What I mean? Right. Just, we well, it's a hell of a to spot to be put, of- put
0: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were trying to get out of our record deal with Metro Media, which we had those hits on. of uh, Goose, they had a hit on, and uh, we were trying to get out of the contract with them anyway, so. We asked John if that he thought that would be a problem. John says, "I don't think that's going to be a problem at all." I mean, you could just tell, of all, you know, you could feel that weight he had behind him. You know, right. Apple, whatever. There was no way we were not going to get out of our contract because he wanted us to sign to Apple. Right. And uh, I had reservations about that right from the get go, but really we were put in a position. Of how could we turn it down?
3: Really. Right. Well, yeah, you know, exactly
1: I knew there were gonna be problems because you know, we were basically an unknown band and oh uh, so getting a Unknown band promoted from Apple I didn't I had a lot of reservations about that from the get-go whether they could handle something like that because Apple You know, we later found out actually Adam at the lid of the uh, keyboard player in the band and i went up looking for the promotion department one day at apple 1680 broadway and we got up to the the top floors and we're looking around at all the names on the doors and going down the halls and back and forth and then we looked at each other in horror and went they don't have a promotion department and it was true they did the the beatles just put out a record and it went gold and that was it right right (laughs) what do you do what do you need guys doing one-stops for? Uh, do, do you guys remember go back in the business long enough to, to know what a one-stop is? One-stop. No. Uh, to me, back. that was a bus it, station. It's, it's like 30 guys sitting in a room with each with a phone, and they're calling record stores to make sure that they will take two or three copies of a record. Because once they do that, you can count it on the tabulations for billboard and cash box. So that's called one-stopping. Wow. Uh, so they didn't even have that, and they didn't need it. So it was pretty tough to promote Elephant's Memory. we got a lot of great press and all, and that out touring with Dad Finger and Billy Preston, which didn't hurt. But uh, as far as a record company, down to the brass tacks of what a record company really does for a young man, I mean, ask James Taylor. He flopped mm. on that. They didn't didn't know what the hell to do with them. um, I've talked to Joey Mullen from Badfinger about it over and over again, because we've worked with together quite a few times. And Badfinger was a nightmare on Apple too. They couldn't wait to get away and get some money with Warner Brothers.
0: Wow. All
2: right, hey, Leo. (laughs) Yes. Why
1: don't you um,
0: hit us with our halftime? All right, hit us with our halftime, and uh, we got a lot more show coming up for you, um, because I have some more really weird questions, I think,
2: for Gary, you know,
0: uh, based (laughs) on my research, there's some shit here that, uh, yeah, I really want to know about. Uh, so yeah, do your thing, Leo. Sounds
4: good. And actually, so this will be a couple minutes, Gary. We're going to play our our sponsor ad and everything. Do you, maybe do you want to hop out and hop back in and see if that clicking goes away?
1: I'm good, guys. Thanks. Oh. Do whatever you got to do.
4: Okay. Uh, no, I mean, do you want to try to hop out and hop back in and see if the clicking goes away? Me? Yes, sir.
1: No, it's not too bad. Are, okay. Do you have that on your?
4: Face? Uh, well, we should be okay. Let me uh let me Please. run the ad. And um, here we go. So let me find the right button. Uh, so as always, we have awesome sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, Little Mom and Pop Shop here in Connecticut. They make the most awesome coffee. I'm drinking it right now. But here's a zombie talking about coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork deadly grounds coffee coffee to die for and zombie approved it's good to get a little deadly
3: use the front door oh they're so disgusting
4: uh and uh ben you guys got something going on don't you
3: um okay (laughs) (laughs)
4: okay so uh episode one for still token with is out right now there's links in the show notes down below or above uh we urge you definitely check it out but here's a trailer
3: if your world was turned upside down what would you do Fuck! Are we gonna do now? Get high. We are.
2: More fun that way.
4: Okay, Jeffrey, what are those awesome questions you got?
0: Uh, well, first, I want to say, uh, you know, you can see and follow all of our other sponsors and partners. Uh, they are in the show notes up above, down below, wherever you may be watching. They might be behind you, so watch out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, are you okay over there? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All um, right. Just checking. Um, well. The- <laughs> The first question I have, you know, for Gary is... Um, the first? I read... you, you've, you, you've had, like, 30 questions. So, like, this is 31. All right, 31? Yes. Okay, 31. Uh, 31. Um, <laughs> 1973, you played with the Jerry Garcia Band on a cruise?
1: Well, that's a good question. Nobody ever brings that up. I uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 1973 uh the hell's angels were kind of like our bodyguards they felt like we were the east coast grateful dead so to speak so i think it really got off on uh, hanging at our gigs and uh harassing uh people who were not into the band but uh they uh they have this cruise every year traditionally back in the day they would rent the circle line which is a a ship that holds about 200 people that goes around the island of manhattan under the george washington bridge and so they would rent that every year and have this huge party they called the pirates ball and uh, they'd be decked out with all their girlfriends and uh this particular year they had they had a lot of live music and this was This was actually filmed on the uh, the cruise, uh, and uh, Elephant's Memory was one of the people playing there. And uh, parts of it became what's called the Hell's Angels Forever movie. So later on, after the cruise, I wrote the soundtrack uh, title cut to that. I wrote Angels Forever for them. And uh, that was released back in the day on VHS. It's, It's out there. You can still get it on ebay and uh it was basically a documentary of uh the whole uh, hell's angels uh thing up until 1973 it was pretty cool it had some good music in it
0: okay uh how many other bands were involved
1: with that oh man four or five yeah uh, who's, who's the, Willie Nelson was on it. If you haven't seen the uh, Willie Nelson was there and uh, Prairie Dogs or something like that. I forget. Pure Prairie really League. A lot of good music. Jerry Garcia was there, but not the dead. Just Jerry.
0: Right, just Jerry. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, at one point we were intermingling and playing with each other. And they have a lot of good uh, musical segments on that uh, that documentary. It's pretty good. Wow. Wow. But I'm proud that I wrote the soundtrack. Made a few bucks.
3: That's that's,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. well, wow. I, I, I didn't know the Hells Angels were involved in that. That's actually
1: really cool. Yeah, Yeah, it was their own documentary. They were kind of uh, behind the... Uh, they probably financed the whole thing themselves, I think. They could afford to trust me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. But I okay. made a lot of good friends. The president of the Hells Angels at that time who we hung out with, and I got to know pretty well, was Sandy Alexander, and he was quite a guy. Uh, he's, he's passed on now, but um, he was the Hells Angel that was in prison and got in the middle of a night fight with uh, a CIA or FBI undercover guy and saved his life, and they let him out early. Uh, and he had won the Golden Gloves, in Manhattan, and I mean, he was just, he was a badass. Wow. <laughs> so the best way I can put it. But the nicest guy you'll ever meet. It was mm-hmm. so right. The dichotomy. It was just unbelievable, you know. Uh, just a sweetheart and uh, really looked after us, I have to say. Actually, that's, we that's awesome. You had to hang out on the Lower East Side all the time, you know, because we were down there at the Fillmore East playing all the time. The headquarters for the Hells Angels was just around the corner. So, we did some shows at the Anderson Theater down the Riverside. Side. Which actually, that's where we worked with uh, Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and wrote a couple of tunes from uh, this great concert we did at the Anderson Theater. It was one of those old wooden theaters like the Gilmore, but even older and even better sounded. It was an amazing place to play. They tore it down now, I'm sure, but uh, that's the history. That would have been 1973. We recorded there with uh, with Chuck and Bo, it's a lot of fun. John and Yoko came to sit in the audience that night. Uh, they really wanted to see us rock out with Chuck and Bo, so that was quite a night. We were all there under the same roof at that night uh, and playing our little hearts out. And uh, I'll never forget uh, John and Yoko bopping. They were in like the ninth row trying to be inconspicuous, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good like luck Like they with could that. ever do that. I was yeah. gonna say, yeah,
3: I don't think that could ever happen, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> Right, that's a good question,
3: man. Yeah, that was a good question, Jeff. I'm actually impressed with you tonight. Hey, see that? I mean, you know, wow! Yeah. <laughs> You've got some really. Come on, keep going. Well, what come else you on. for questions? I mean, you know, you got no. You gotta this I that, I you know, know this is your this is your thing, man. Well your... I, I love I love
0: that I love that older music and the you know the late sixties. That's that's why I'm horrified that I'd never heard of you guys. You know what I mean? Because I grew up with that stuff. When I went to college, that's all we listened to. You know what I mean. Uh, I had the I had the pleasure of seeing, uh, you know, uh, who the hell is it? ELP, and, and bands like that from the early days. You know, uh, Procol Harum. You know, Procol Harum. I saw live with ELP. I mean, I mean, come on. You know, I, I think a, a lot of them. I haven't seen
1: one of them. So good for you. You know,
0: okay. um, I was I was blown away, totally impressed, and. Um, you know uh, the whiter shade of pale and all that kind of stuff and uh you know um like i said i'm embarrassed that i don't know about the elephant's memory band but i do now and uh you know i am really looking forward to digging deeper into you
2: hmm
3: (laughs) (laughs) be afraid gary be very afraid (laughs) (laughs) Um
0: Carly Simon. I saw that Carly Simon was a part of the elephants for a while.
1: Yeah, she had just left the band when I joined in seventy one. Oh you um, scared her away? I'm sorry.
0: Did you scare her away?
1: I must have. <laughs> I, scared, I scared her right into a nice career. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Because she broke out that, that same year. So when she signed and uh, actually got flying. Uh, can you guys still hear me? I see a weird message coming up there. Oh, yeah. No, no we can oh, hear no, you. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, I got distracted.
3: Yeah, the uh, weird messages fine. are Leo. Leo Sorry. will pull once, messages uh, out of the comments.
1: Once we got working uh, with John and uh, we're recording sometime in New York City, speaking of Carly, uh, it was probably, we got started on the album at the Record Plan East around uh, the end of January uh, into the mid-February time there, right after we did the Mike Douglas show. And uh, Carly would come down, you know, she couldn't uh, wait to come down and hang with John, of course, and her old bandmates. But, uh, so that's how I got to, to, to meet her, was uh, her coming down to sit in on some of John and Yoko's sections for some time in New York City. But uh, she, yeah, she had been in the band, I think, nine months and recorded some stuff with them. But uh, uh, she was not, and she was kind of sandwiched in between the Midnight Cowboy '69 thing and the uh, Mongoose 1970 thing. Something right that there was. So that's the okay. best way I can describe it.
0: No, that's awesome. And, and, and she came out of that and made a name for herself. Uh, she certainly you know. I certainly did. Oh, think yeah. So. You know, and, and that's just, that's just incredible. Uh, the people that you've been involved with, uh, you know, I mean, it blows
3: my mind. You know, it's just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Stevie Wonder, Mick Jagger. I mean.
1: Yeah, that's a Mick was, was one of those uh, ones that was, he really idolized John and didn't wait to get down to this record plant when he was in town. And we'd come by and we would jam. I got to know him a little bit. And uh, played pretty darn good guitar, which I was surprised. (laughs) I didn't really really think of Mick as being a guitar player. But uh, he went right about grabbing the spare guitar we had there. And played pretty darn good little blues guitar. It was pretty cool.
0: Really? I didn't know Mick even played a guitar.
1: Exactly. That's the way I felt.
0: Wow, okay. I hear you. He just gained uh, a little bit more respect from me.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, me as well. I, I was impressed, I have to say. That's huh. out on bootleg, by the way. You can find a bootleg of the, the sessions uh, that Nick and, and John, Yoko, and Yoko jammed uh, for a few hours one night. We got so stoned we, we just couldn't <laughs> take care of business anymore, so we just stopped this, the regular session and just played and drank and got high you know so and had fun that was a lot right and i'll but bet you there was they never, they never stop those tape machines they're always running right so
0: right and i'll bet you there, there was on... incredible stuff that came out of that
1: yeah some of it was really good and some of it was really bad <laughs>
3: <laughs> if if somebody wanted to find those how how would they find those
1: I don't know. I'm looking at a copy up 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 on my wall here. I, uh, I don't remember. It's like an one of those bootlegs you get that's in an orange jacket with nothing on it. Right. That you buy them in the record store. You know, it's like usually the owner. You when you walk in, tells you, "Hey, I've got this new new thing." You know, looking on, you look in the bin. You know, and. Uh, there was something written on the label, but I think the jacket was clean. But uh, those are out there, as well as the Willowbrook rehearsals for the one-to-one concert. Uh, as I said, we, we used to play at the Fillmore East a lot. That's where we rehearsed the Madison Square Garden concert, was at the Fillmore East. Uh, John had us work out uh, two sets a day there for two weeks. Wow. Uh, really, really, what we were rehearsing for was a world tour, but since that gig came up you know uh, we just happened to be in the middle of rehearsing for a world tour so he was looking at it so the the garden performance was kind of like an afterthought so it was really all about touring we had geared us up with all the gear and we were ready to go but as i mentioned earlier it was that green card situation just couldn't couldn't break it right
4: Uh, Michael brought up a comment in the chat here. Gary, remember what Chuck said to John when they first met? He gave John a hard time and they had a laugh.
1: I'm sorry. You were cracking up a little bit there on me. I didn't really hear that too well.
4: Yeah, uh, so Michael Dwyer in the uh, comment says, uh, Gary, remember what Chuck said to John when they first met? He gave Uh John a hard time and they had a laugh.
1: I'm sorry. That that that's a great story. I almost forgot about that. Uh, I mentioned the Mike Douglas show, which was February 14th. We kicked it off on Mike Douglas in 1972, February 14th, uh, and uh, so we were going to be on those days. You were on this Mike Douglas afternoon show. You know, Mike Douglas was a host. He had a band, like a 12-piece band, there playing, and uh, you, he had a guest host for the whole week. There's probably people listening that don't know about my preface, so I'm trying to explain quickly what's going on. So the first day of the show went on at 4 o'clock live every day for a week. So it was the first day with John, and uh, we we were standing in the the green room, and then we went out and stood in the wings, and we were kind of digging the the 12-piece Philadelphia band, you know, playing live in the studio. Every day, Mike, as everybody knows about the show, would come out and sing a song to kick off the show with the live band. So we're sitting there, and it's at 4 o'clock, we're ready to go, and all of a sudden the band kicks up, and Mike Douglas sings Michelle. And John hit the ceiling. He was so pissed. He just said, Look at me, and went, like, Fucking hell. He was not digging in at all. They didn't really do much research. I mean, everybody knows that... I mean, it was known as the Paul song. Okay, John wrote the Middle Eight. That's not the point. But everybody knew in that in 72 that was so well known as, a, as Michelle, as the Paul song. It was really for the first thing for Mike to sing. I'm trying to explain it away here for him. But uh, <laughs> it was just not not cool for John and, and Yoko at all that he, he did that. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, actually. That is, uh, that's comical.
4: I did uh, watch one of the episodes of uh, the Mike Douglas Show doing my research, and uh, uh, you know, even though it's from the seventies, a lot of people should check it out. It's it's a variety show. There's you know, obviously musicians, interviews, uh, and comedian acts. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it was uh, the episode I saw was pretty amazing.
3: Where Ed can they Sullivan, find that?
1: Ed uh, Sullivan wasn't quite gone yet, you know. It yeah. was kind of like in the had the Ed Sullivan thing happening there a little bit with the jugglers and <laughs> all that wild stuff. Comedians it was, it was a wild format, really. It was hard to pull off. I'll tell you that uh, I give them credit down there, For that's a tough thing to pull off live with all that going on. You know?
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you're looking for it, uh, you can find them on YouTube. Looks like. Uh, that's why I watched one episode.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow.
1: The, the other funny thing that happened on the Mike Douglas show was, as you were referring to, was uh, when Chuck Berry came in for the first day. Uh, he was late as usual. He, he came into the green room and looked right at John and said, where are my royalties? <laughs> and John, for a second, I mean, he just caught him off guard. And John... Just didn't know what to do. He was speechless. And he had this look on his face like through terror. And Chuck held him with that for about three or four seconds. It felt like ten minutes. but And then Chuck kind of busted out laughing and extended his hand. And they went over and hugged. And it was like old home week right away, you know. But uh, <laughs> he, had, he had John gone there for a couple of minutes. Because, you know, Chuck Perry didn't become a millionaire until somewhere around 1980. I mean, it was ridiculous how much he got ripped off in in the 50s and 60s. So that was a pretty valid complaint, really, when you think about it. Uh, uh, There definitely had to be some royalties out there that I'm sure he didn't get, you know, on the Beatle covers and this and that, you know. So... But anyway, it was a good sport about it, and, and uh, John hanging too much, and I uh, had, a, had a lot of fun, you know, John really idolized him, he was nervous around Chuck, He, he that was one of his main idols, and uh, he really wanted to do good by Chuck, and God bless him, he tried, but of course Chuck ended up playing all the keys, uh, all the songs on the wrong keys, and Throwing John a solo on live TV. and He never told John that he was going to try to get him to play a solo. And, uh, a lot of really sneaky stuff. And that's what uh, Chuck was all about in those days. You know, it's like he played this little game called Stump the Band, you know. I call it.
0: <laughs> he liked to fuck with people.
1: Exactly.
0: I think that's the first and...
1: F-bomb of the show.
0: <laughs> nope, nope. Gary beat yeah, you to we... it 10 minutes ago. Oh, did ago. he? Yeah. <laughs> wow okay um yeah i i learned so much and there's a lot of stuff that i'm gonna have to look up now (laughs) you know seriously it's uh you know i can't believe that i missed some of this stuff you know but
1: you know cut yourself some slack you
0: (laughs) you know uh
1: well yeah
0: i suppose i mean you know Uh, It was a little before my time, but um,
3: not that long. Well, not that it was, I mean, it was, it was before my time. Like I said, I was born in 72, but the music has been around for generations Yes, and generations and generations. And even today in 20, what are we in 2021? I guess. Um, I, I lost a year because of this pandemic thing. Um, Right. The music that you were so heavily a part of is still everywhere. It's it, it hasn't faded. It wasn't a one hit wonder. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it does it puts you into a legendary status. And I was reading some show notes. You were actually inducted into the Pittsburgh Music Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that was 2014. Uh, not too long ago. Yeah, right, it was an honor. Oh, it's great to be, uh, you know, recognized by your hometown guys. So it was, uh, it was great. I was thrilled. You know? That's 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 awesome. awesome.
0: Well, you Thanks. know. So, um, what do you, mentioning. what are you currently working on, and what are your plans? I
1: would just like to have another gig.
0: I just want to have a I gig. Like yeah.
1: For things to get. Begin- yeah, I just want a gig. That's all I'm asking for, you know, just uh, to go out and play again. Uh, it's been too long. This has been too crazy. Uh, too much poop with, pooped up, and, you know, I still play and keep my chops up, but, uh, you know, you didn't want to be stupid. My band uh, hasn't played in over a year and uh, three months now, so it's, it's wild.
2: Right. Wow.
1: wow. Now, would um... be nice to get back to some students coming again. That would be nice, right? I haven't done, I haven't been doing the teaching online thing. Just as it's really hard for bass, you can't feel that or hear the, the frequencies right on the internet. It's just crazy to try to teach bass. Uh, maybe some guys are doing it and doing it well, but I just didn't really feel like I wanted to go there. But uh, it'd be nice to get back to teaching and seeing some of my students again as well.
4: So uh, over the past year, with with uh, uh, no time to play, what what have you been uh, doing with your spare time?
1: Uh, not a lot. <laughs> 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 well,
0: that's an understand. So yeah, uh,
1: just having room for doing a lot, guys. I got to tell you, a lot of a lot of nothing.
0: Yeah, and that's hard, especially for somebody like you. You
1: know, you know it's got to be. That's what I drew up. I play. That's what you do. You're right. up. The four o'clock comes. You get yourself awake and stick yourself in the car and get your gear together and go set up and play for four hours and break it all down and come home. That's what right. you do, right? <laughs> there has been none of that, so I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't <laughs> tell you how weird it is for a full-time musician, playing out every night, the musician to uh, do nothing. It's really, really not good. I couldn't, I couldn't hell. imagine. I
3: couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I, I can't wait for shows to come back. I'm itching. I, I need a live show. I need that interaction. I need to, to, to be shoulder to shoulder with the guy next to me screaming, you know, it's just, you gotta have it.
1: Let's hope we're on our way. You know, I don't know whether you guys got any shots yet or not. Are you probably not old enough to get shots yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm old enough.
4: I got my right. uh, first one.
1: All right, all right good. Yeah. good. Yeah. we're all uh, vaccinated up and ready to go. You know, it's just a matter of the venues. You know. Yeah. Uh, wanted to get uh, at least the the rooms that I've been playing. Uh, it's just a matter of time until they get back to normal or some kind of normalcy. Right. Let's hope it happens soon. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And um, <clears throat> you know, if we're ever out in your area, I would love to try and hook up with you. You know, meet you in person, shake great, your man. hand.
1: Well, anytime, Ben. We're we're way out here. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, you know, we're supposed to be traveling to Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania, yeah. We're supposed to be traveling out to Pennsylvania and uh, Virginia, correct? Yes. You know, so we're going to be kind of down in that area in the
3: woods. August, September.
0: Yep. Yep. Hopefully. Yep. You know, knock on wood. Ouch. It's beautiful out here. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, literally, the Poconos from us is five
2: hours.
1: It's a five-hour drive. Yeah, it's not yeah. So bad. That's a ways. You that's
3: know? not well. We do we do three and a half hours just to go to the studio with One, once yeah once a month for for a week. Three and a half hour drive down, three and a half hour drive back while we're filming. So, because we actually film down in uh, Cornwall, New York. So right I down see. right down near uh, P- the Hudson Valley. Yeah, yes. Hudson Valley. So a five-hour ride isn't that bad. It's almost like driving to Jeff's place in Maine just add a half hour. Well, I've been doing that for 50 years, so great. great. Excellent. Got any more questions going over there, Leo? You got anything you want to say?
4: Uh, I think I got my questions out of the way.
3: It's, right. it's There it's, were it's, almost, good questions. I was p- almost impressed. <laughs> almost. Oh, I didn't say we... I was talking about Leo, not you. Oh, almost impressed. I was almost impressed with Leo. I was, uh, I was very impressed with your questions, Jeff. I was, I had a bunch of questions, but yours were better. No, they were. Well, they were different. You know,
0: I I was hoping for a different answer on the, you know, as long as an elephant's thing, but you know, uh, (laughs) you know, because I've seen the video. Birds do it, bees do it. You know. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So, excellent. There's, there's just, yeah, you know, uh, Michael's, Michael's right. There's, yeah. there's way too much. You know, I spent, I spent a good hour, hour and a half uh, looking you up. Um, and, and what saddened me was that I recognized so many of the people that you have worked with, you know, uh, but yet I had never even heard your name before. You know what I mean, and and that's you know that's that's unjust. You, you know, in
3: my opinion, you deserve better than that.
0: Well, you know no, they
1: I mean? always—it's the life of a studio musician.
3: Well, I, I think yeah. it's more the life of of like a bass player or like the rhythm guitarist because it's usually when somebody recognizes a band, it's all about the front man or if you're really really good, the drummer the bass players right. and rhythm guitarists, for some reason, they always get overlooked, but they shouldn't. Ever.
1: The story of my life,
3: yeah. <laughs> well, the story of your life is, is actually amazing. It's an amazing story.
1: Well, thank, thank you, you guys. Know, it's nice, um, good to um, I could come up with some decent uh, answers to your questions, I hope.
3: Well, we're just glad that you were, uh, were willing to come on and chat with us tonight, and, and hopefully our viewers oh, that were on good. tonight our future viewers and our listeners that are going to listen to this later on um, learn more about you, you know, and the in the amazing things that you've accomplished over many years. Fifty. <laughs> I was being yeah. polite.
1: Half a <laughs> century. Yeah, it's hard to believe for me too. Uh, you know, very fortunate.
0: Uh, you're a true inspiration, my friend. A true inspiration yeah. uh and i'll be you know looking you up uh because i want to know more about your music i need to know more about the elephants okay uh because i'm really really upset that i don't know anything about that you know i said that before i pride myself on knowing about late 60s early 70s music you know uh so that's
1: it was kind of the end of the '70s, and uh, but uh, I guess it's kind of in your wheelhouse, so it should be in you'll my just wheelhouse. Cross your horizons a little there. That's all. You
0: know. Well, I'm going to make it part of my wheelhouse.
4: So uh, we had a couple questions come in. Uh, Michael wanted to know what happened when you met John for the first time.
1: Well, uh, I think I covered that earlier, but uh, I'm not sure what they're meaning specifically, but. Uh, We jammed all night, that was the gist of it, uh, Right. playing all those old songs, all the Chuck Berry songs, and Dizzy Miss Lizzie, and uh, I think the only uh, Beatles song we ever really played with John uh, out was Come Together, we did that at the Garden, but that night uh, that we jammed, we did a lot of the old stuff uh, that we could come up with on the spot at least, you know? Right. Some of, the, some of those early Beatles songs, uh, I would love to have played with them that first night, but we just didn't know the chord changes. They were, they were kind of, some of them were pretty involved, you know. You yep. just didn't like, have, like, you know, grab them off the top of your head, you know. Uh, so it was simpler stuff. Like I said, uh, Dizzy Miss with me. Uh, but we talked a lot about the business and what uh, also, when we took a little break, we would talk about what's going on with him and Apple and uh, you know, he was hopefully uh, trying to get that all finalized and he was trying to get the final solution as he put it, that was in his words uh, which was tremendously complicated as everyone knows wow.
4: and uh, he also asks uh, did you also meet George he asks because he had so much going on in the early 70s
1: I did not meet George and I've never met Paul uh, Ringo briefly uh, was backstage at the David Letterman show one day. And, uh, briefly, Clapton and uh, Ringo were there. I-, I think he realized who I was, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it was one of those crazy things backstage. You never know really know what's going on. But I did. I was uh, w- at least in the same room with Ringo. But no, I never really formally met uh, Paul or George. That would have been a thrill. Uh, I kind of feel like uh, Paul was around, though, because we'd be recording it. You know, you hear about all the, how they're at each other's throats and everything. Mm -hmm. This is one of the stories I tell. You'd read in the village voice that afternoon that they were squabbling like cats and dogs and then we'd go to the record plant that night at seven o'clock for our evening session and Paul would call in on the phone from Scotland and they would yuck it up for like an hour and a half on the phone together. So it didn't sound like they were doing too much fusing to me. No, I I think they
0: loved each other, honestly.
1: sounded like a couple of brothers talking to me. I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I have a brother and then we'd get going pretty good on the phone sometimes. And that sounded like one of those deals to me. So, so much for the Village Voice on that
0: one. Right. You can't always believe what they tell you. Yeah. No. Amen. So, well, very good, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this has been a fantastic show. Uh, I learned a lot. I got more I got to learn. Um, I feel like there's a piece of me that is missing um, <laughs> I really do. No, uh, you know, from the history of music, yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm gonna find that little piece, and I'm gonna make it a part of me. And thank you very much for that. You know, I, I appreciate I, I, it. It, it means you. a lot. That really, really means a lot.
1: The music, uh, the music that we did with John sometime in New York City. All of the subject matter is just as relevant today as it was in 1972. I mean, when you go through each song it's just amazing the subject matter you know we're still talking about legalizing pop and we had John John Sinclair song of John Sinclair who had been busted for two joints or whatever right uh, you know, Attica State police violence forget it we were doing songs like that in 1972 all that stuff is more relevant today actually than it was then right so
0: absolutely wow <laughs> wow, I'm um, uh, yeah. right. So on that note, Leo, South. do your thing.
4: Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank everybody f- for watching this fine evening. There's a bunch of information shown us down below or up above, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. For me, you can just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run a little thing called the dorkening podcast network. You can head on over to thedorkening.com for more information. And, uh, with wrapping things up, the last question here, Gary, and, uh, we can tie this into you wrapping up is, uh, uh, Michael wants to know uh, what means most to you as a teacher and artist today and what are your plans moving forward and last question is where do you like people interacting with you on social media
1: Well I have a Gary Vancey fan page they can all get me on that and I have my still have a, a website remember those Oh yeah uh, Gary, Vans, Gary com. and there's a there's a store on there of a lot of stuff that we sell like t-shirts and that as all stores have, buttons, and I have an album that I recorded in 19, uh, excuse me, 2015 called Pop Goes the Elephant, that's available on there, uh, so just still trying to get back to normal with the, uh, you know, the gigging situation, and uh, uh, you can't even really record these days, uh, the studios aren't doing much either, so... Uh, I'd just like to see the music business get some way, somehow, get back to some kind of normalcy. That would be nice. But they can contact me on those two, uh, the, the fan page and the website, and my, my album is available on there. And uh, hopefully we'll be getting into doing uh, more of the same stuff, recording and playing out okay. and teaching Hopefully. Yeah,
4: we'll get there. We're almost there. Just need to hold out a little bit longer.
0: Jeffrey. Uh, Yeah, you don't want to follow me. You can find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, um, stilltoken.com. That's our website. All our information is right there, Token with the Dead on Facebook. Uh, You can send a message. Uh, I probably won't answer it. Well, I might. It depends on if you're nice or not. Um, it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have a lot of fun. Um, honestly, um, uh, I do like fucking with people. So, uh, you know, be prepared for that. Uh, don't ever Google me though, because you know it's it it it's probably half true. I don't know. It, it it's probably not even me. <laughs> you know, there, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of me's out there. I, think, I, I don't think I have multiple personalities. I might. You know, I don't know. i you know, I, I start a bunch of different pages. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, Gary, great show. I loved it. You know, uh, you know, and follow us along, uh, still talking with uh all our previous episodes you can find right on uh, right on our website, StillToken.com. dot com. Um you know, send me a friend request, I'll probably ignore it. Uh and we'll go from there. Okay.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Dude,
3: that was like the longest fucking outro that you've ever done. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, it's my turn. <laughs> so, like Jeff said, we're on all social media platforms. You can find us everywhere. Um, past shows, like you said, are on the website. They're also on all the Facebook pages that we run on, all the YouTube channels we run on. You can find that in the show notes, wherever Leo fucking put them this time. But to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can come up here and do what we do every day. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. Be safe. Peace out. Thank you.